You Can Hack It, Episode 13, The Life and Death of NPCs. One, two, three, Android. This is Season 2 of You Can Hack It, a gaming podcast about our views on gaming and how to tinker with those games, and how to tinker with ourselves and yourselves. We cover everything from how to have an open relationship at the gaming table, to deciphering games like Burning Wheel, and even how to play riffs, which is don't play riffs. Explicit warning. We sometimes use the word cock and balls. Sometimes together, sometimes apart. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Kyle. And uh, we're here, uh, after a long hiatus, returning to the You Can Hack It uh, studios within the deepest bunkers uh, underneath an igloo run by polar bears, because we're in Canada. We have dog sleds, too. Oh, yes, dog sleds. I forgot. So, how have you been, sir? And what happened? What happened? Well, didn't you know? I didn't know. Oh, well, uh, let me tell you. uh, So, we haven't posted a podcast for a while, and it's very unfortunate, because I really enjoy doing this, and I really enjoy informing the podcast world of my opinions. I really like it, too, because it gives me a chance to speak, and I love to hear myself speak. I'm a huge egotist. At the same time, I feel like we have, have things that are helpful to other people, too. I really think that we can add to the community's knowledge. We have the equivalent of a middle-aged man worth of gaming experience between us. <laughs> middle-aged man. Seriously, man. I've got, like, what, 25 years of, of, of gaming experience, and you've got, what? 20. 20? So, yeah, middle-aged man, 45 years old. He's a, he's a <laughs> dapper gentleman. He's got a wizard's hat, and he, uh, he wears it proudly. Cane. The skull on it lights up. <laughs> one thing I realized is that I think summertime is a bad time to record, for one thing. Second thing is that I'm still injured, unfortunately, and I love doctors. Let me tell you how much I love them. Me too. Me too. They, 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 they solve everything in a lickety split, or I'm sarcastic. Yes, possibly. Possibly. It's been tough all around. There's been some work-based stuff. Again, it's the usual drill. Uh, the world um, the world keeps turning and people get busy. But we're not busy anymore, so we're going to do this. We're going to talk about gaming, sir. What have you been doing in the last little while? Talk a little bit about your summer. My gaming summer involved playing some Burning Wheel. Yes. Uh, definitely doing that. What did we do? Well... The game that you ran came to a close. The Burning Wheel game involving the castles in the sky and the floating planets and stuff was a lot of fun. But again, one of the biggest culprits, the biggest culprits that always happens is time and availability. We just really have a lot of difficulties getting that together. And uh, it was it was really too bad. But schedules just conflict and it happens. Yeah, there was a total of four players... Plus the GM, so it was five of us in total, and trying to mesh our schedules together was tr- like trying to convince a turtle that it could speak English. Yes, and getting it to wear a tuxedo. At the same time. I don't think that's a very good well, analogy at all. Well, spinning but, it on top. Yes, it, in fact, yes, it was literally impossible. Honestly, I tr- yes, it was unfortunate. It happens, and it will happen again, and that's the important thing to remember. It will happen again, and it's okay, and let it happen. And I actively basically sent an email saying, this game is retired, this isn't going to happen, it's fine, let's go on, let's move on, do something else. And I even said to some of the players saying, 
this isn't going to work with your schedule. I can't make it happen because it's just too crazy for me. Exactly. But there has been a shining jewel within all this, and that is Apocalypse World. Yes, this was the end of summer, I believe, we started playing this. It is. It is around around that, around the end of summer. I'm trying to remember how when we started. It was probably something like August. I think that's when I remember it. It's sort of beginning. It was August, and, and we started Apocalypse World. We used a lot of elements from things like the Road Warrior and some elements from the Road in, in terms of our, our, our storytelling. It's been really fun. I've been recording them, and I'm going to be putting them up on a separate feed. Uh, I've already done the first couple of episodes already. and uh, Out of 14. Out of, like, 14. I have 14 more. And they're all, what, like, six hours long? Oh, jeez, they're super long. The first couple are a little, uh, still us finding our feet, but the last seven or eight episodes, it's so much fun and incredible. It's been great. Thank you so much for, for playing it. Oh, it's, it's, it's been epic. The, the world definitely favors... Well, it doesn't, that's the thing. It doesn't favor anybody or any style of play. It just gives you, and you can gobble and take... And it still keeps giving, and you're wondering when there's a, the pit's going to run out, and there isn't the bottom. It just keeps giving you. Yeah, it's been it's a joy to run as a as a as the MC as the as what I'm called, and I'm not sure about the playing side. What do you think, sir? The comment uh, I made this on one of my blog posts, which I very frequently use. But one of the things is it's very easy as a player to play the game. Very, very easy, I find. If you have a little bit of self-motivation, that's all you need, and you're flying sky high. Yeah, self-motivation is really the key. I try to do what I can to keep your lives interesting. It's one of the things I have to do. But if you have the self-motivation, it keeps you running. And uh, it's been it's been so much fun. It's been never such a boring great time. Mo- Never a boring moment. That's exciting. Good to know, because we played for like five or six hours. Uh, well, four, four hours. More like... Six or seven. Some, is it? Yeah. I keep track of the time, Don. Often we play for five or six hours, sometimes seven. And it feels like we're reluctantly ending the game. at the Every end. time. Like, like seven, Once or twice we've gone to like 2 a.m. and I'm like, okay, guys, we should we should really end this. So that's a good sign. I've had those games go to 2 a.m. and never start up again because it just burnt out the GM. And the fact that it didn't burn you out? Tell me about that, John. i got to tell you, man... As a GM, I tend to get really burned out really easily. I find that by about game three or four of any any game I've ever run, I get really burnt out and frustrated and and just tired because it's a lot of work. This game, running it as the MC, is not a lot of work. It is, in fact, one of the games that that gives you very clear instructions as a GM what to do. At any given moment, here's a list of things to do, and it's great. It's wonderful, and it also takes a lot off you as a GM in terms of trying to pre-plan everything. It says very specifically, don't create scenes. Use moves to make things occur and then see what the response is. And that's it. It's really amazing. It's amazing stuff. I can't, I can't even uh, express it in words yet. We should do a whole episode on it, uh, I think, in the future. I concur. So what are we talking about today, sir? Today's topic, today's topic, we, we want to talk about uh, NPCs, particularly like life and death, because NPCs have a cycle, and they're around and then they're gone, and sometimes it's because of death, since other reasons, but all, most of the time, it's because they die, if they're important enough, they, their, their death is their exit. So let's talk about that life cycle, we're going to go from the beginning, the genesis of the, of the NPC, it's life, and it's exit from the scene, whether in a flurry of swords or just fading into the background. At the 
End of a bloody scalpel. Yes. Play like you have to. Play like you have to. Play like you have to. Brilliant Gameologists, a podcast for tabletop games and the gamers who play them. Come into the light at brilliantgameologists.com. So you're, you're heading into town, and the town is in front of you. There's towns. What do you want to do? This is the birthing pains. I want to go talk to the mayor. The mayor, huh? Well, his name is Mayor McMayor Mayor. And he says, hey, what's up? And I shake his hand. I'm very happy to be him because he's a person in charge. He's important now. And Mayor says, hey, so let's talk a little bit about the genesis of an NPC. That mayor didn't exist up until the moment you said, I want to speak to the mayor. There, there's a chance that maybe the, the GM may have had that NPC created, but chances are pretty likely that they're not. It's really interesting to see how NPCs are created. Where do they come from? And how are they put together? So it's, it's the when are they created and who has authority to create them. Exactly. And it's interesting to see how that, how that happens in, every, in, all, in all kinds of different games. So let's talk about the first piece, Kyle. Let's talk about the when. When necessity calls for it. And that's from the perspective of the GM or, or the MC, depending on the game you're playing for. Exactly. Because when the players want to interact with the world, they need to interact with somebody. And so this is then, for lots of games, especially traditional games, it's the job of the GM to create those NPCs and have those characters there now for the characters to interact with and get what they want from them, or use them as they need. In traditional games, there are some situations where you would have all these NPCs mapped out. You'd have the whole town figured out, right down to the Burgomeister, whatever a Burgomeister is. I think he's like a mayor, but German. And the right down to the town drunk. In a lot of other t- senses, though, for the most part, the GMs are making these people up. Absolutely. Now, sometimes it isn't always a GM's responsibility either. That's true. And Burning Wheel has a great example. Well, one of the things that Burning Wheel has, of course, and we've talked about this in the past, is the circles mechanic. The circles mechanic is a player-driven method of creating NPCs to say, I'm looking for a guy that can do this, and I want to know him. The GM sets the difficulty, dice is rolled, and at that point, it's determined who that NPC is and what he's about. Again, it's player initiative instead of GM initiative. Another player example, which is interesting that we have a couple now, uh, is Apocalypse World even. They actually have part of the character sheet. When you're getting new moves, you can either creating a gang, a holding, followers, or crew. And most of these things are multiple people. And you can choose them as moves. So as a player, you are saying to the GM, I want these NPCs to matter. I want these NPCs to be involved in my play experience. Again... Another example of this, and even to, to take ourselves out of the more independent games, to go to traditional things, simple things like character backstories are a way for a player to say, here are some people that I'm putting in my little backstory, my little you know, three or four or sometimes five uh, paragraph write-up up to 20 page write-up, I've had a couple, that say, hey, this is Doris Darkblade, my ex-wife who now turned into a sorceress that wants to kill me. And this is my father, who's a mysterious stranger who I don't know, but I wish to find and show that I was worth being his child. These things are added before the game starts and are another way for the player to be able to add these things in. So even in traditional games, this stuff occurred. 
It just wasn't formalized. Uh, exactly. And many of us, as far as I understand, most people out in the, the game communities did this, have some sort of backstory where you walk into a game, and it gives fodder, fodder is not the right word, but it gives something to build the world off of for the GM. It gives some building blocks for them. And so this, the PCs are starting to help the GM build this world as well. Exactly. Now, we've, we're kind of talking about like who. There's the GM we're talking about and the players, so the two different people, uh, creating these different NPCs and having different authorities at different point to do so and allow to do so, really, is what it exactly. comes down to. But why? And what are, they, what, are, what are they doing then? When you first create an NPC, the big question of why is, is what often comes up. Why are they there? What is their purpose? For example, the first example, why did you want to see the mayor? Why did you want to meet him? Again, when you create these situations, you, when you create these, these instances, the, the NPCs have to perform some sort of purpose. They have to be there for a reason. And it's probably because the player wants something. He has a self-motivation or being part of the story uh, as the plot goes along that he's encountering this character and this character now has a reason or should have a reason to be there. And it can be as so simple as wanting to talk to the shopkeeper to get a new set of armor or uh, talking to the barmaid to get another cup of ale or whatever it is you drink. Absolutely. But now the NPC is there and now the NPC is written on a piece of paper and is now available to use later on because it now has a personality. And the birthing has completed. Adulthood enters. And now, there are things that has to be known about, about this person. At this point, you know at least a few things, a couple things. Shopkeeper, speaks loudly, bald. Beautiful. His name's Sven. And that's Do it. Doesn't need to be complex. Keep it simple to start with. The character, the NPC more particularly, will develop over time if he keeps recurring. And he'll gain more personality and more traits. However, you want to refer to that as exactly. I mean, you can do it a couple of different ways. My favorite method is just bullet points underneath the NPC. Just put a little dot in, going hmm, doesn't like apple juice, or whatever. Again, as it as the sort of game as the the, the interactions uh, depend. And there's a couple of different mechanical ways that some games do this. Again, uh, I think the first thing we're going to talk about is Burning Wheel, which is a good example. And with Burning Wheel, we mentioned circles already. And with that mechanic, the person you circle up. Depending if you succeed or fail, the nice thing is you always get them. They always show up. But sometimes they're friendly, sometimes they're hostile. Exactly. The The idea is you're saying the tenor of the relationship. It could be a, an angry person. It could be a, someone who's, who's maybe not very helpful at first that you have to kind of win over using other uh, roles, skill roles and such like that to try and win them over. And over time, you circle them again and again and again eventually transforming this person with enough roles, you transform the person into what's called a relationship. And from there, you have a very broad idea of what you've asked this person to do, what you've circled this person to sort of get from you, and the success and failure of those roles determine whether that person was friendly to you or hostile to you. It rounds out the relationship into something more complex than a simple, I need to do this. You're my do this person. In traditional games, it's up to the GM to decide the level of hostility or friendliness based off of the circumstances. As well as, it may may start off neutral and the GM doesn't know, and it's up to the players and how they interact with this NPC and how the NPC changes or become more hostile or friendly towards them. They, and like it could be the point of where they're happy to help or, they, or they're really pissed off and they're ready to draw that sword. Exactly. 
And I think that there's other games, too, that also keep track of the level of neutrality or hostility as well. I think that Hot War does a good does a, an example of this. They have a numerical rating of, of plus 5 to minus 5, I think it was. Was it Maybe plus, plus 4 to minus 3? I don't remember. I don't remember. However, it does have a numerical rating of how close are you to this person, how estranged are you from this person. And that has a mechanical effect. It also has a story-based effect on that sort of regard. And that's interesting as well, to sort of look at that and know mechanically how, how close am I to that person. Another good example of this, I think, and I'm thinking from experiences with Apocalypse World, is when you are interacting with these NPCs and you fail a role or you succeed but with trouble because remember Apocalypse World has three states you fail you succeed but or you totally succeed if you succeed but especially in some of the manipulate rules you're starting to have the NPC demand things want things and what they want informs the character and builds upon it and this is developing the story after I've talked to Mary McMarrison and Mary McMerson is has a son he's concerned about, and that son has been dealing with an unfortunate element, and he's a hard father, but he's also a loving father, and he's really confused as to what to do, and you see that over interactions with him talking to his son, with him talking with his with his son around or with his son not around. The interactions with Mary McMerson change and develop and grow. And part of that development and growth is it's now not just that PCs want stuff from the NPCs, the NPCs want stuff from the PCs. And that relationship is important because when the NPCs come to the players after the relationship has been established, the players are more inclined to listen to the NPCs, to entertain what they're asking. Again, you need to build that relationship first, and I think it's really important to get that in place. Stories flow, stories happen organically. Some games have scene framing, but it still makes sense within context of the characters and the game. Exactly. Now, one of the things I want to discuss as well regarding this is uh, a really special case with the Dogs of the Vineyard. When you're doing some of the mechanics in that game, uh, you're engaging with the NPCs in a very organic manner, dealing with an argument that explodes into physical activity uh, or violence or shooting. But John, I, I I just wanted to threaten him with the gun. I didn't really want to shoot him. But you still pulled the trigger. So what happens next? You've changed the story. The you've changed the NPC's life. Maybe you kill the NPC, maybe he's hurt. If he's alive, he's probably not very happy. And you now might have an enemy out in the world. And you've just created yourself an enemy if he escapes and gets away. And if you let him live. Exactly. Now to death. And then the Grim Reaper claims the NPC's life. Or the grim boredom claims the NPC's relevance. Either way, at this point, the NPC enters into his twilight phase. Where he's no longer, he or she is no longer, I should say. Or it, if we're doing a transgendered sort of theme. Which happens. Has happened. Yep. Deliciously. At this point, we are talking about the ending of an NPC. Its purpose has been fulfilled. Maybe the relationship has come to a crisis point or a conclusion point, or maybe something's happened. And there's lots of different reasons why NPCs go out. To clarify, there's two w ways we were talking about we believe that NPCs die. One is through irrelevance, 
Number two is through actual death, physical death. And now it's why. The, the first reason why NPCs die come about maybe through the decision-making of the players. Players can decide to kill an NPC or not save an NPC. It's an active choice by the players to do so, and they're taking an active part in the world by doing so, and they're shaping the world again. The second person who could change it is, in fact, the GM can make that decision, too. It is true. In a lot of traditional games, this happens quite often. Your wife is killed by the orcs. It's terrible. Or the son is dead. Merrick McMarrison's son is dead. And to tie this in more, more to why, there's a reason for the GM to do this. It's creating motivation, creating a story, and creating something that the PCs to follow up on. And logical consequences as well. As, an, as, an, as a GM, you want to try and create those logical consequences because of... Failure. If you fail a role, it should be an excellent reason for the GM to say, as a result of your failure, someone is going to die. In games like Apocalypse World, it is extremely common for the NPCs to be just churned up like meat into a grinder, and that is a result of failure. Going back to the players, now, players can fail, and this can happen, but... This should not be willy-nilly. It should not be just for the heck of somebody dying, dying. For the GM, there's a reason. For the, There's a failure. That's a reason itself. You fail the role. There's a consequence to that role. There should be a reason behind it. Sometimes you get to the point, like, let's say, 4th Dungeons & Dragons. You're hacking and slashing. We're not talking about a non-story-based combat, like 4th Ed tends to be. You can create a story elements in there, and then that will give it meaning. But if you're running a straight combat, this isn't what we're talking about. There has to be story elements where these NPCs are relevant. And that's what they should be. They should be relevant. And when you're killing them, it should be meaningful in some way. Even if you, even if you realize that you, your character was an evil person killing that person, but you didn't care, that's important. And even as, an, as, as a GM, you're killing NPCs maybe as a way of showing the darkness of the world... You're killing NPCs to show the darkness of a particular insidious antagonist or villain. You're showing uh, the death of an NPC as a result of the the decision making on the part of the uh, of the players. But the deaths should be resonant and relevant, and they should have some sort of impact. Again, you want to use the NPC right down to its last drop. Its last dying breath should be something useful to make the game more fun. And especially the dying breath is epic, meaningful, uh, noteworthy in some way. Any of those terms apply, do it. For, for purposes of GM to be able to create that, uh, what he needs from the story. Exactly. You, you want to gauge this. Again, a lot of this is a lot... There's a lot of social friction sometimes that comes with killing of especially beloved NPCs. And mm. I've had a couple of situations where this has happened. I, I remember really well in an old D&D game where we had these two NPCs, just NPC hirelings we had with us that we had developed and we had loved, and Kragor uh, was jumped on by a spider, and one person decided not to heal Kragor, and he died, and we were so sad by that, but it was because of our decisions he died, and that made it relevant that we realized that, oh, we should have healed him. He would have lived. Oh, no. There was this one game I played where I was playing a Scholar Minotaur, which is very fun, let me tell you. And 
We defended a, vi- a village of humans against a bunch of orcs, uh, me and my fellow player characters. Surprisingly to all of us, almost all of them lived. And it was amazing. And we're like, we felt good. We felt great about them. We, we now, and these people were meaningful to us because we'd helped them survive. And then we set forth to the orc homeland and got there and almost all of them died to a T. And those last few survivors were very important to us. We're like, we, and we, we were, we were horrified by our inability to save them through our failed roles. And it was so meaningful, their deaths, and so sad. Exactly. And because you failed the roles made it, made it relevant. For one more example, uh, our previous game, just recently game of Apocalypse World, I'm thinking of uh, our fellow player, uh, Daniel's character, Goldie, was trying to heal this woman. And I said to him, listen, if you fail this role, she's not going to make it. And I, as a GM, this is an important thing to do. Sometimes you want to say, here's what's going to happen if you fail, and stick by it. Because then it makes that role significant. It also, as a GM, allows you to take your hands off the wheel and say, this is going to go wherever it's going to go. And I tell you, it was a really meaningful role, and the consequences were felt deeply. Because, well, you should listen to the EP of the AP. It's good stuff. And what we're discussing right now, the exact moment, is the it's kind of combined, I realize, but the when and the why uh, to for NPC's death. And... Again, we focus it. It's it's meaningful. There's a failed role, a decision by the PC, decision by the GM, and all these are are relevant, and all these are applicable, and all, all these are possible. So let's talk about irrelevance again. If you leave the town where Sven, the storekeeper, is with his bald head and his dislike of apples juice, I think I mentioned. He hates uh, apple juice. He really does. He really doesn't like it. He doesn't agree with the system. He talks loudly about it because he's got a loud voice. He's gone. We're never going to go to that town again. He was just there for a little bit of color, and he fades into irrelevance. You put him in the back of the book, and his time, his usefulness, comes to an end. He doesn't have to die in order to go into a sunset. You're just not going to use him anymore. And that is a type of death, uh, of, of non-use, of, uh, of not being seen again. Exactly. And a really good example of this, too, is when you're resolving certain plots involving your mother from your backstory. If you've written a backstory about how your dear old mother was in, was captured by slavers, and you're like, oh, and you save her, and you bring her home, and maybe you just want her to live out her life happily, and you just kind of leave her alone, and that's it. And maybe she just fades off into her own life. Sometimes you want NPCs just to to go to safety. And that's something I always thought was really neat about Apocalypse World. There, in fact, one of the things is when you're trying to convince an NPC to, to of anything, really, you want something from them, you offer them, you could offer them some sort of barter, some sort of like, say, hey, I'm going to give you this. Maybe they just believe you're going to give it to you, depending on your role. But if you get a super success, and this is it after your character's advanced a bit, this character is kind of safe. He's not 100% safe ever, but he's, but he's not one of those characters who's just going to die from a failed role anymore. Exactly. And, the, the, and it's the only way in Apocalypse World that this can happen. And back in the day, there was actually a move, uh, before he, he released the, uh, the updated rules, where you can actually retire an NPC to safety. Uh, that's been removed, but I think that's what the advanced moves are for, for taking an NPC and elevating them in some way. You're saying, hey, let's not kill this one. Let this one live and, and have a good life somewhere else. 
and, and that's kind of that's kind of nice to do as well to say let's move on from this person it's no longer interesting to have this person in peril or in danger I want to move on let that person have a happily ever after it's not just the fact that they're kind of safe the happy ever after but it's also backed by the, the mechanical effect that they believe in you now. They're, they are like, and they're behind you. Either they're your guardian, they're your friend. Yeah. But whatever makes sense, they're now a part of your life permanently. And I think that really goes into, into talking about that, that life cycle that occurs from the NPCs, from the beginning to the middle to the final end, uh, from its creation to its usefulness during the game session to its final shuffling off of either the mortal coil or just its narrative meaning. The podcast. We kick boredom square in the nuts. Movies, music, books, games, whatever's on our minds. Now, due to the wonders of hotel internet, I have no idea what has been said for the last 30 seconds, but I'm sure it was interesting and full of, um, Insight and uh, other good stuff. Podcast.com. Well, I think we've run out of uh, our topic for today. I think it was a good exploration of the NBC from a seed to a tree to a dead tree to logs in the fire that burn merrily to, to ashes in the ground that form. Nutrients to make the seed grow again? We're amazing. Look at that. Look at this. The circle through death, there is life. And through life, there is more life and more death, which causes more life. Moving on. I think it was great. Really neat stuff. I, I, really good exploration of the, of the ideas behind your NPC. I think it was, it was really fun. So, so what's, what's on the horizon, sir? What are we, how are we going to do this? What are we doing next? I think uh, we need a deeper exploration of Apocalypse World and some of the things it does that makes us go ooh and awe. Like, what is it about it that does that? More than just mechanical, because the mechanics are supporting something else. Yeah, there's some deeper stuff going on in that game that I think we really need to explore. It may be really interesting to perhaps talk to our players and see if they want to join us. That might be fun. We do enjoy our guests. So that might be fun. We'll talk to Colin, we'll talk to Daniel and see if they're into it. It, it it would be it'd be really interesting to see their thoughts on why this game has really captured their interest and what keeps them coming back week after week. We've been doing this uh, pretty pretty regularly now, and uh, I want to see what's happening there. In addition, I think it might be really fun just to, to do another segment on couples and gaming. Uh, I have a couple of people lined up. I'm, I really am confident now that I had the interview with you with Katie that I think it'd really be fun to do some more. I agree. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate you... Uh hearing us talk, and hopefully you can find at least one tidbit of knowledge. I, I believe that an hour worth of my time, should I should at least gain some morsel of knowledge. And remember, you can hack it. Music from You Can Hack It is by Buck65. You can get it free from his website.